0: <laughs> Let's get that one rocking and rolling here. It's, uh, it's interesting how sometimes the merchants don't want to say Merry Christmas unless it costs them money. Then they put it back into place. And um, the, the level of hypocrisy is amazing. And Jesus in his humanity was absolutely fascinated by the level of hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees. So whatever hypocrisy you pick up on, just know that he knows exactly what you're going through. <laughs> he knows that part of it is though it drives me crazy. He was God, so it didn't drive him crazy. He expected it. But it's still it's not, not easy to deal with. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. It's, uh, we've been doing Revelation chapter 22. We hit the, I am the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star. And it uh, triggered me to think about the uses of I am by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we go through these as we read through the scriptures. Frequently, we'll get a little bit here and a little bit there. And, but to put them all together is almost overwhelming as he describes himself. Very little he says about himself in scripture. He talks about other people, how we should live, how we should do things. But what description do we get of the Lord Jesus Christ himself out of his own mouth? And that's, that's what we're going to look at today. And uh, before we do, let's take a few moments for prayer. There's nothing going to be on overhead. So you can think about these as we go. Because each one of them is, um, is worthy of a devotional all to itself when you put them all together, you've got, there's actually 31 of these. I find that interesting. I counted them up this morning. There's 31 of these, these I am signs. Now you've only got 28 numbers on your sheet. So don't say, well, Drew messed that one up yet. Because some of them are said twice, more than once. But thirty-one's an interesting number because the way the Jews did things, they oftentimes would use geometry and numericon, and they would take numbers and they'd make other things to be said out of those numbers, other than what was meant. This is a, a number that you can't divide by two. You can There's nothing else. It's a prime number, and it's it's out there. And it just thought, huh but there's thirty-one of them. Isn't that unusual? That I actually fits some months might be a good devotional to think about these over the course of December where there's 31 days or maybe I haven't counted there's not quite 31 days between Thanksgiving and Christmas that's the 26th until but these just take us back to who the Lord is and what we have to be thanks thankful about let's take this time for prayer get ourselves uh, geared up by putting away all the cares and the pressures and the problems of the world. And let's just think about the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are so amazingly blessed. And Father, I know we've been tested. Father, we've been tempted. But Father, we are so blessed. And you told us to consider all of that joy. Father, it's... uh, It's not a worldly or human thing to do, considering difficulties is joy. So as we do that, we need to realize that that comes from the Holy Spirit alone. And that is one of the ways that we draw nearer to you. Father, I pray this morning, as we read what you have revealed, what your Son has revealed about himself, let us be drawn closer to him. In the process, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Exodus, long about the third chapter, Moses has the burning bush experience. And uh, the Lord comes to him in in the, the burning bush, and he says, who are you? Well, who should I say, who are you? Who sent me? What's your name? And the Lord answers, he says, I am what I am. It's the word Yahweh. That's the way you pronounce it in Hebrew. Uh, some pronounce it Jehovah. They put J's in for the Yodes and things like that. Some pronounce it Jehovah. But it means I am. It is taken from the word Hayah, which is the to be verb, to be found in the Hebrew language. And he says, I am. I, I always have been. I always will be. That's who I am. Well, the Greek equivalent of that is ego, which is the uh, personal pronoun, first person personal pronoun, ego, we get ego from that, and then you have the word imi put with it. Imi is the present active indicative of the to be verb in the Greek. Now. He basically says, when he uses ego, I, me, I myself am, and that's how translators, I feel, should distinguish it, because I, me, all by itself is I am. That's, what it, that's how you would translate it if there were no other pronoun to go along with it. So when you put ego and I, me together, I myself am Jehovah, it's a Greek way of saying that's who I am. And so it's fascinating as you go through the Gospel of John and then move on into the book of Revelation, when the Lord starts describing himself, what he attaches to I myself am, because he starts giving us a description of his person. In Matthew 11, is another passage, one of the few things describe his personality says, I am meek and gentle of heart. Take my yoke upon you. My load is easy. My burden is light. Why would we take his yoke? Why would we do that? He tells us. In John chapter 6 verse 51 is the first use of egoimi found in the gospel of John. Now there's this proclamation made all the way back in chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was in the beginning with God and all things came into being by him. That's who he is. He's God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, John's opening comments. But now You know, what's happened in chapter 2? Well, the water got turned into wine. What happened with chapter 3? Visit from Nicodemus. Chapter 4, a woman at the well. Chapter 5 is the the man at the pool. And then what happens in chapter 6? He's got multitudes coming to him. He's got Pharisees going after him. In John 6.51, he says, I am the living bread. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven if anyone eats of this bread he'll live forever and the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh he's saying I'm getting ready to give my entire body for the life of the world now did the Jews ever have any bread that came down out of heaven once before yeah called manna the manna in the wilderness and the word manna means what is it in the Hebrew came down out of heaven and you're going huh what is this stuff Oh, can we eat it? Oh, yeah. The Lord said, eat it. Six days, you'll go gather it. Your daily bread portion, a daily reminder of who brought you out of the land of Egypt. On the sixth day, you'll gather twice as much because there's not going to be any fall out of heaven on the seventh day. It's the Sabbath. You're going to honor me. In Exodus 20, when he gives the Ten Commandments, you shall keep the Sabbath day holy. What they were supposed to do on the Sabbath day was think about the creator. That's what they were supposed to take a day off out of the week and think about the one who created them. That's what the Sabbath day was made for. And he said, I'm the bread. Yeah, that came down out of heaven. I'm the manna. That's what you were asking about. What was provided there was for your physical sustenance. Now I'm your spiritual sustenance you take care of this you're going to have eternal life <clears throat> he said in john 7:29 i am the the one sent from god the father john 7 these are bold statements some people spread the twisted lie that jesus was a, just a good man who suffered a god delusion That's part of the lies floating around our society today. He was a good man. Some say he was a good man and became a prophet. Satan would have you believe he was a good man that ascended to godhood showing that there is more than one way to become a god because what's his objective to become a god? I will be like the most high. So if he could point to Jesus and twist that around. No, Jesus is the one and only God that became man. Now does Jesus ever make that claim? I've heard so called theologians say well he never claimed to be God and I'm going which book did you leave out of the Bible? John the gospel okay you left that out of the, out of the Bible Jesus in John seven twenty-nine. I know him he's talking about God because I am from him and he sent me I am from him Hebrews 1.12, he's the exact representation of his being. When Jesus became flesh, what he did was bring this representation of the Father, the Almighty, with him. And then the third one, I am how about this one the light of the world we start thinking about the gospel of John we start thinking about the I am's of the gospel of John he said that in chapter 8 12 he said I am the light of the world I love this because we've been studying the eternal state and there's no sun or moon in the eternal state right there's no electric lights you're not going to have to worry if you drop a light bulb if it's going to contaminate your house anymore he is the light of the world Now, he who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. Look what he says. He declares who he is, and then he declares the benefit for believing that. John 9, 5, while I am in the world, what's happened in John chapter 9? This is where the healing of the blind man takes place. So the healing of the blind man, he has just healed a man born blind. And so the Jews are going, nobody's ever done that before. So they go get this guy, and they try to intimidate him, and they bring him in front of the council. And he says, I don't know about you guys, but see, everybody in the town knew that he was born blind. He said, "I once was blind, but what? Yeah, now I see. Huh. I can't explain it, he says. Do you guys want to follow him too? (laughs) I like that. Kind of throws that in. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. What a message to a blind man. The light of the world. He is the I am of eternity in John chapter 8. Boy, this about sent the scribes and Pharisees off a cliff. Jesus said said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, ego I mean. I am. I myself am. And he's basically saying to the exclusion of all others. When he says, I myself am, I'm the only one. I myself am. And it says, therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. And Jesus hid himself and he went out of the temple. Why did he hide himself? That's for another day and another study. He didn't need to. One time he just walked through the midst and left. He didn't, but that's the way the Holy Spirit led him to do it that time. John chapter 18 verse 5. Oh, where is he here? He said, who are you seeking? Now that's in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night of the cross, when he'd been betrayed by Judas. They answered, Jesus the Nazarene. And he said to them, Ego I me. I am he. I really want to see a replay of this. When we get to heaven, I want a replay. Please. This will be one of the first ones. And Judas also was betraying him, was standing with him, when therefore he said to them, I am he. They, the Roman cohort, trained battle-hardened soldiers, they drew back. And fell to the ground Huh Now see the Lord does have a sense of humor But here is this battle hardened soldiers A thousand of them in a cohort That's what went to get him And they hit the deck I have a sneaking suspicion That he just kind of flashed his deity For just a second these guys hit the deck what would you do same thing i know people that think they're going to go strutting up to the lord at the judgment seat i don't think that's going to happen he is the i am who is not of this world I was ministering to a guy one time and I was trying to talk to him about Jesus and tried to help him out. And I said, well, who do you think he is? He said, well, he's a spaceman. <laughs> Okay, here we go. <laughs> well, I know what he was talking about—an ET that came on a UFO, and and he's coming from another planet, and all this other stuff. I guess sowing seeds—that's how some of the great thinkers of our time think that life got to planet Earth was by spacemen who were already in existence, who brought the seeds of life along with them. Anyway, he was saying to them, "You are from below. I am from above. I am where?" from above you are of this world i am not of this world i said therefore to you that you shall die in your sins for unless you believe that i am he you will die in your sins unless you believe i'm the messiah unless you believe i'm the one that can take away your sins unless you believe that i am the king who can remove that decree, that certificate of death from you. Unless you believe that, you're going to die in your sins. I'm at John 17, and we know what this is. John 17 is the, the prayer, the prayer of the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's praying out there. And John evidently hears enough of it. Or is reminded by the Holy Spirit. As the Lord told them the night before the cross. That you will be reminded of all the things that you have seen. He says. I have given them your word. Jesus talking to the Father. And the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. But to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. His disciples. Sometimes there's question marks were they believers or not until the resurrection. They didn't, they didn't have a full grasp, obviously, on what all was going on right there, but I think they were believers already because this statement here, the high priestly prayer in John 17, they, they were already had already trusted Christ as their Savior. Who are you? Huh? He was the Messiah, the living one. That's what he asked Peter, who do you say I am? He was not of this world. So in, I guess in some sense he was a spaceman. But he indeed <laughs> was not an Area 51 UFO type of, of people. He says, I am the door into the sheepfold. I love John Ten Nine. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. It's an amazing picture because when people talk about predestination, Predestination is a word that is praaridzo is a Greek word that is used for that. Horizo means to have a horizon. We get horao from the word. And pra means beforehand. It means to set out and establish a boundary beforehand. Now the boundary is used, praorizo is used, to describe a sheepfold in extra-biblical writings. And so when this particular word is used, here's the sheepfold. How many entries into the sheepfold is there? One. What did the shepherd do? Laid out across the door. He was the door into the sheepfold. And then he says, if anyone enters, that if puts up a clause there, third class. It puts up a condition, if anyone may enter, and if he does, that person's got to make the decision. You want to be part of that sheepfold that belongs to the Lord? He knows his sheep. He knows who's going to come in. You come in, he knows who they are. He's going to keep them, preserve them. That's what the shepherd does. He's the door into the sheepfold. How about the next verses in John ten eleven? He says, I am the good shepherd. I find this fascinating. People oftentimes don't get the full view of God. Is he the king of kings and lord of lords? Absolutely. No question about it. But sometimes all they have is the picture of him seated on the throne and not the picture of the shepherd. Because he is fully God, he is fully man. Hypostatic union. In his humanity, what did he do? He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's the one that you got to go you got to walk through him you got to go through him to get to the sheep he says he beholds the wolf coming he says he is a hireling not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep beholds the wolf coming leaves the sheep and he flees because the wolf snatches them and he scatters them he flees because he's a hireling and he's not concerned about the sheep i am the good shepherd and i know my own and my own know me even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Here he says, I am. I'm going to have to count again because I keep seeing I am's in here. Tell you the truth. So maybe it's not a prime number, but we're still not going to do weird stuff with the numbers. Based on the number of usages. The good shepherd. He says in John chapter 10, see, John 10 is kind of loaded with it, isn't it? John chapter 8, before Abraham was, I am? (laughs) And they picked up stones to stone him? You're not yet 50 years old. How can you be older than Abraham? Well, if he's God, he is. The Good Shepherd. The Son of God, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, You are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of the God. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. I started down the road a well while ago that some people say, Well, he's just a good man who became God or a good man who developed a delusion. Now, what he did was make some statements that are so very, very bold that had he not walked away from that tomb, they would all be suspect. They would all be suspect. But when he walked away from the tomb, it offered evidence that he indeed is who he says he is. He indeed is the resurrection and the life. Now, you want to have your faith in the right object because faith is all about the right object. It is not about what I can make myself believe. As we can make ourselves believe anything, most of the world believes a lie at any given point in time. And they believe it with all of their heart. They would die for it. It's a hell they would die on, actually. <clears throat> but you want, you want a hill that you would die on? you want something that you believe in and you can know is the truth these things are written to you who believe in the name of the only begotten son of God that you may know you have eternal life John 11 verse 25 John 11 what's he getting ready to do he just let his friend die didn't he Lazarus come on quick come on Lazarus is dying your friend is dying so he just waited and he caught caught flack over that didn't he he caught some uh, you just waited what did he need to do remember the centurion you just say the word my servant will be healed did he need to go there to heal Lazarus no what did he let him do die why So he would show who he is. He is the resurrection and the life. And when he got there, his old friends, Mary and Martha, met him and and started working on him. If you'd have just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Okay. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she, she said, gives the theological answer. Well, we know there's going to be a resurrection at the end of days and all this. And he says, no, the resurrection is standing in front of you. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. He'll go on living spiritually even if he dies physically. Boy, what a puzzle for people to figure out that are hyper and never do realize the Lord is talking about the spiritual realm. He says, I have a kingdom that is not of this world. He's speaking of the spiritual realm. He is the resurrection and life. John 13 What's getting ready to happen in John thirteen? He's going to wash a bunch of dirty feet, isn't he? This is the gathering, the night before the cross, the upper room. They call it the upper room discourse. It's one of the most extended uh, discourses about a particular uh, at one time that we find anywhere in the scripture. And he says, "Who am I? Who do you say I am?" And he says, "You call me teacher and lord. You're right." Didn't deny any of it, right? You call me basically rabbi. Greek is didaskalos. Is there? You you call me rabbi and Lord. I don't deny. For so I am. He didn't deny who he was. See, he made that statement earlier in John eight. If I was to say I wasn't that, I'd be a liar like you. Is what he told the told the Pharisees. I'm going to tell you exactly who I am. And that's exactly what he did. And then in John 14. This is the one we, we love. John 14. One, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And I'm, going to go, and I'm going to come back and get you and bring you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And then, of course, Philip said, well, how do we know the way which you are going? Da, da, da. Lord, just show us the Father. And he says, he said, have I been with you so long and you don't yet know who I am? And then he said, I am the way. This is three parts to this I am. I am the way. I find it interesting that in the ancient world, I believe they had a zodiac that was, that was, um, had a gospel laid out zodiac means the way there were still people following the stars at the time of the first advent so in any way you want to look at it Jesus is the answer to the question he is the gospel he is the lamb he is the sacrificial bull he is the the one with the two natures he is the the I am he says I am the way and the truth and I love this statement as we we try to identify good and evil and when a government starts saying they can define the truth, they have overstepped their bounds. The truth is defined by the person of Jesus Christ. The I am the way and the truth and the life. Now right now they have people wanting to figure out ways so you can live forever. You can you know, you can be frozen. After you die, so maybe that when, you know, they they solve the death problem, and bring you back one of these days, and in that way you can live forever. Some people think living forever is just having your name on a monument or a wall or something like that, so your name will always be there. They actually believe that when you die, you go into non-existence, and so you can just live forever in, in that particular way. I, I think what he's talking about is much greater than that. The way, the truth, and the life. And here's another truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. He who wants to preserve his life shall lose it. We find all over the world, we're going to save the planet. (sighs) Amazing. Is that a divine statement or a worldly statement? I mean, the first session we just talked about, there are things that come from from the divine viewpoint. Things that come from a human or worldly viewpoint. And it's a worldly viewpoint for me to say. I'm going to save the planet. Why? Because the planet is in God's hands. That's that's what it is. That's what the Bible reveals. He made it. One of these days he's going to destroy it. And he's going to make another one. That's who he is. This planet is in God's hands. Does that mean abuse it? No. He put the man in the garden to keep and to tend it, right? To take care of it. So we're supposed to take care of it. No argument about it. Are we going to save it? Impossible for humanity to do it. I find it interesting. I like the, it's fascinating what they've done with the weather now. You know, people say out in California, well, those tornadoes just scared me to death. I said, Why? Why would they scare you? Oh, I've seen them on there. I've seen them on there. I said, our weather people are so good, they can tell you probably within a couple miles where it's going to sit down and they got somebody looking at it when it does. And we've all got places below ground, almost, that we can go to if, if we need to get there. And, and um, why should you be so afraid of the weather? It's fascinating to study, but it's how God does things. It's not what man can control. And any level of intelligence to me says, you'll never fix that. You don't have the power to do that. But that's my personal opinion, I guess. He says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. John 14. Look what he's done through John here. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? He's talking to the disciples again. Right after he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me otherwise believe on account of the works themselves. Some people they only respond to what they can physically see. But what what has Jesus done that could be physically seen? It's one thing to say before Abraham was I am. That's one thing to say. But it's still another thing to raise the dead like Lazarus. What is their frame of reference? It's another thing to to heal the centurion's uh, servant. It's another thing to raise the synagogue official's daughter, Jairus' daughter. See, that's, those are things only God can do. So, he says, if you want to look at the works, how about, what did these disciples seen? It seemed like he fed 5,000 men, plus the women and children, with a few loaves and fishes. And that was all they had. They brought it together. He thanked The Father for it. You know, I I love this. He did not pray, Father, multiply this. Did he? He thanked him for it. Then he started breaking the bread and the fish. And he fed the multitude. And they had baskets left over. People say, well, God can't fix me. I'd beg to differ with you <laughs> just a matter of compliance he said I am the true vine in John chapter 15 I'm the true vine my father is the vine dresser one of the things pointed out to me the other day is is uh, we don't produce a lot of fruit of ourself. i think we share in that in that sense of being compliant with it but you know what we we carry the fruit It says, bear fruit. That kind of indicates carrying it along, doesn't it? Kind of like you get a wheelbarrow, fill it up. How do you go harvest fruit? The tree produces fruit, right? Who produces the fruit? The fruit of the Spirit is. Oh, did the Spirit produce the fruit? Yeah. Now, what do we do? Carry it. We take it with us. So, in a sense, we're helping to spread it, but we're not the ultimate source of the fruit production. That would be of the world to do that. So, we have, he says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. We're connected into the vine. Now, the vine is to produce fruit, but the ultimate source is the vine itself that produces it. We are, he says, I am a king. He said, a king here. Interesting, he's standing in front of Pilate, chapter 18 and verse 37. Pilate therefore said to him, so you're a king? And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. And for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? You know, the world's asking that right now, aren't they? What is truth? And they want to make the truth what they define to be the truth. And if they don't like things that God has defined to be immoral or wrong, then they try to change that. That's a losing proposition. But then we get to the book of Revelation. And John picks it up again. Interestingly, that John writes three epistles. 1st, 2nd and 3rd John and the I am phrase is not found in those three epistles because in the gospel he's recording a lot of the things that Jesus said and the book of Revelation it is a revelation that is coming from Jesus about Jesus and now we get in the book of Revelation and he says Revelation eight i I'm the Alpha and the Omega says the Lord God who is this is 96 A.D. Jesus has been gone from six, for 63, 64 years from this earth. He says, who is, who was, and who is to come. The Almighty. Now this is a simple statement. It's kind of hard to picture. He doesn't bellow this out like we would think. I, that's not the, the tone that we get from this. He's talking to John. I don't think he's overpowering John. He's getting ready to communicate with John the final book of the Bible. And he says, I am the Alpha, the Omega. I think it's probably a very uh, solid voice. It's a very uh, gentle voice. It's a matter of fact voice. I am the Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. It's interesting, a lot of times the truth, you don't have to yell. He just says it. Then he says in verse 17, I am the first and the last. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Do not be afraid. Does that sound familiar? You know, it's real easy in this world to get afraid, afraid of everything, afraid of the unknown, afraid of the future, afraid of the difficulties, it's real easy to get afraid, and I think the Lord speaks to all of us all the time, don't be afraid, it's the most repeated command found anywhere in scripture, and usually it is a weak negative with the present imperative, and it says stop it, stop being afraid, I'm the first and the last, that's what he tells John, in verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, And the living one. Oh, let's see. He is, but he also was, and he's going to, to come. He says, And the living one, and I was dead. See, this is Jesus. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades. Well, who's got the keys into the bottomless pit? In chapter 2, verse 5, and chapter 2, verse 15, different letters to different churches. He says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. This is the letter of the church at Ephesus, who has left their first love, which, according to Ephesians 1 15, is their love for one another. They got real good theologically, they could identify the false teachers, false prophets, they could figure it all out. But they didn't love anybody. And he said, you better fix that. You better fix that, or I'm going to come to you and and remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent, change your mind about your attitudes and actions. The first century was getting some theology together, getting the canon of Scripture written. And in the course of that, they were learning their theology. And sadly, they became like a lot of seminary students become. Chuck Swindoll, when he took over as president of Dallas Seminary a long time ago, said, why is it do we have people come to a seminary and they love the Lord? They love other people. That's who they are. And when they get done, they are smug and don't care about anybody else. That was a statement by Chuck Swindoll. And his intent was to try and change that. As he took over as president of Dallas Theological Seminary. And uh, his success, that's up to the Lord to determine. But learning to love one another. And th- we hear a lot of calls for unity today. Does the scripture call us to be unified? Without question. Ephesians 4, till we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is unity used today though? Has it been redefined? Unity is when you agree with me. Okay, then it's unity. What's Christian unity? When we all agree with God. It's not focused around a person, a political party, or anything else. When we agree with God, we'll come closer together. I kind of see it as we're in the same book on different pages. But when we get on the same page, we'll be unified. I also see it as kind of like a, a husband and a wife. Husband and a wife should come closer together as they draw closer to God. Because what will happen? That's what happens. If one stops growing that way, problems exist. But the way it's designed is keep both of you keep getting closer to God now the living one the first and the last the living one the one who disciplines Revelation 2 verse 15 says thus you have some who, in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans repent therefore or else I am coming to you quickly and I'll make war against them with the sword of my mouth Lord is the one who disciplines people forget that Jesus, Jesus, meek and mild, the lowly shepherd, he's also the returning king. I've seen bumper stickers say Jesus is coming back and this time he's not happy. I've seen him spelled out other ways too, besides that. But that's a true statement. When he comes back at the rapture, he's going to be happy, it's family. I think that'll be a thanksgiving, wouldn't it? It'll all be a Thanksgiving because all the family will be together and none of those nasty relatives will have sin natures anymore. So we'll be all able to get along fine. One of these days he's coming back and I hope we go hallelujah when we hear the trumpet not manna. What is it? I really hope we are ready and standing ready. He is the one who disciplines. He's the one who searches the minds and the hearts. Revelation 2. Twenty-two. Behold, I'll cast her on a bed of sickness. He's writing to the churches here. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. Seems like we read something about that in another chapter, didn't we? all scripture is God breathed and is profitable then we also read in Hebrews 4 the word of God is alive and power, powerful sharper than any two edged sword piercing and dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a judge of the thoughts and intentions of the heart he's the one that searches he's the one that knows there's no way to hide from him there's no way to fool him you're not going to spend the truth and get it by him. It's just not not going to happen. Nobody is. He is the one who returns to give out rewards. Revelation 3.10. Because you've kept the word of my perseverance. I will keep you from the hour of testing. That hour that will also come. Uh, is about to come on the whole world. To test those who dwell upon the earth. I am coming. Quickly. That's our word we've been through multiple times lately without any unnecessary delays. Hold fast to what you have in order that no one takes your crown. He is the one who administers rewards. Some crowns you get for persevering to the end, the crown of life. Others you get by passing a big test in life. And hopefully we'll get them all. When we're done. He is the one who will defeat all of his enemies. Revelation 16. Notice how we jump here. He said it several times to the churches. The I am, the I am, the I am. And then we jump into chapter 16. Seen in heaven. Just before the second advent. The pouring out of the bowl judgments is in that chapter. And he says, behold... I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his garments, lest he walk about naked and men see his shame. And they gathered them together into the place which in Hebrew is called Har Megadon, Armageddon. He is going to come back and defeat all of his enemies. He is the one who makes all things new, Revelation twenty-one, five. He who sits on the throne <laughs> This is the sovereign king of kings said, Behold, I am making all things new. In chapter 20 is the, the great white throne judgment from whom heaven and earth fled away. The destruction of the present heavens and earth, creation of a new heavens and a new earth. And he says, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, "Right. write, for these words are faithful and true. I wonder if John got a brief glimpse of just what would happen when he melts the elements with an intense heat, as it's described, and then makes a new heavens and a new earth. And he's probably just sitting there with his mouth open. And so the, the Lord says, right. Okay, back, back to the moment here. Come on, John. Your mind can wander off because they're faithful and they are true he says I am the Alpha the Omega the beginning and the end Revelation 21 6 and he said to me it is done I am the Alpha the Omega the beginning and the end I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost he who overcomes shall inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son how do you overcome First John 5 comes into play Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Seem seemed like we ought to write a song about that. seven. he is the one who will return without any unnecessary delay. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. He is the one who administers justice. Revelation 22.12. He hadn't forgotten, has he? no matter how bad this world gets it's not escaped his notice i think about romans 12:19 through 21 vengeance is mine i will repay that's a promise declares the lord he is going to do it at his timing we're not going to push him into it he has a time that has been set aside he is going to administer justice. And part of justice is not just to render punishment, but to administer rewards. Rewards where they're due. He says, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. To render to every man according to what he has done. He says, I am the eternal one in 22:13, 13. I'm the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. How else do you say it? Okay, <laughs> He says, "I am the root and offspring of David. We just covered this last week. The bright morning star. Revelation 22:16, I Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches." The Lord church comes back into play, doesn't it? What, how then should we live? Here it is: I am the root." An offspring of David. I'm the source of David and his child. One of the big questions the Jews had how can he call him Jehovah and he be David's son? Well, he's got to be fully God and fully man for that to happen. Then he says, The bright morning star. He is the light shining in the darkness, isn't he? He's the one to follow. And Revelation 22.20. One other place. He's going to say I am in the book of Revelation. Before we get done. He who testifies to these things says. <clears throat> yes. I am. Coming quickly. And then you get a. Amen. From John. Come. Lord. Jesus. That should be our prayer. We should want to do, be found doing what we are called to do when the Master comes. And that is telling other people about Him. Praying for them. Sharing the good news with them. Living a life of character and honor. Because that's going to become farther and farther apart in this world. Because the world is headed in the wrong direction. And unless they get Jesus in their life as a solution... It's just going to keep going that way. So, <clears throat> who do we look for? The I am. Who do we tell people about? The I am. That's a message. Let's pray. Thank you this day, Father, for the blessings you've bestowed upon us. Father, thank you for the just the test you brought into our life. And Father, this day that is coming up is a time to... Uh, Reflect on you, families will be gathered together. We pray that, that uh, your goodness and your greatness and your blessing will come to the forefront. We pray that there will be those who, even if there's a lot of negativity, will bring up the fact that we follow the one, the I am, the one who, is, who has been here, and the one who is coming back, and that he is full of grace, slow to anger. Great is your faithfulness, O Father. We thank you for what you have done for us. May we spread it to others in Jesus' name, amen.